you spend a lot of time on the internet and social media, you know that every time Christmas rolls near, there's always a furious debate on what the best Christmas movies are. You might want to think The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, or you might want to think about the uh, Peanuts Christmas special, all favorites. There's, of course, been a dark horse candidate lately, people wanting to think Die Hard is a great Christmas movie. I even heard somebody say Gremlins was up for the uh, possibility, but I think that's probably a bit out. For me, I like to take the old traditional choice. I absolutely love It's a Wonderful Life. It's one of the best movies I think I ever have seen, and one that I must have seen at least a dozen times. And it's funny because although it is a, a movie that many people will say it's their favorite Christmas movie, in lots of ways it doesn't seem very remarkable at all. There are no explosions. There are no risque love scenes. There's not really even so much in terms of dialogue that you can remember. No famous Luke, I am your father moments. In fact, it's a story about a thoroughly ordinary man named George Bailey. And it's the story of a very ordinary man who grows up in a small one-horse town. His father runs the savings and loan business there, and he decides, George Bailey, that he wants uh, to see the world. He falls in love with a girl, they get married, they've saved up, they want to go on their honeymoon, and he realizes that some great thing that he had no control over suddenly crashed upon him because the stock market crash occurs just as they're about to leave. His father desperately needs him to help keep the savings and loan afloat, and so he puts aside his dreams and he sticks around to work at the savings and loan company. Then, of course, along a little bit later comes another event totally outside of his abilities, totally outside of his control, the Second World War. And because he has a, a, a no hearing in one of his ears, he, he is not eligible for service. His brother, however, signs up and he becomes a war hero and famous. In many ways, it's the story of a man who sees all the big events of the world pass him by and he's left doing the ordinary stuff that ordinary people do and he begins to wonder, is it all worth it? Has my life really had much meaning? Well, of course, what's so great about that movie is that at the end, they do realize his life had a big impact and the town gathers around to let George Bailey know he's got a wonderful life and he's a wonderful man with a meaningful life. I think it really resonates through the ages because this is something that I think all of us need to hear. I think we sometimes ask in the quiet moments of our lives, do our ordinary little lives matter very much? And I think particularly nowadays we tend to think perhaps not. I've been reading over the past several years about gigantic world events and how things can change. We heard about Russians meddling with the election in the United States. We've heard over the past few years about Brexit and now this big change in the British government and what's going to happen to the European Union and world trade. If you've had the misfortune of watching CNN lately, you'll see blanket coverage of certain presidents being impeached. And of course, I've been watching with interest to the protests happening in Hong Kong as we speak and wondering, will there be a repeat of those terrible Tiananmen Square events that happened in my youth when China cracks down on those who long for freedom? And I see all of those great events, and I see great people, and I hear about great, magnificent things, and then what do I do? I go back to my shopping. I go back to getting my job done day by day and tucking my kids in at the end of the day. And sometimes, like George Bailey, you start to wonder, I'm just a little person in a very big world. Does my life mean very much, and does it amount to a lot? You know, today we listen to the story again, and I'm sure many of you heard this story many, many times, the story of Christ, the Son of God, being born. 
We gather here and Christians around the world as we gather here are gathering with us in different places to celebrate the magnificent, glorious, wonderful event of the Son of God being born in our world. But I wonder if we have heard this thing so many times and gathered in great glory to sing wonderful songs so many times we forget. This in many ways is a story not so different from that story of George Bailey in It's a Wonderful Life. And it immediately starts raising questions for the average reader at the time it was written, whether these lives that people lead that seem so small really matter too. Because you see, what's so interesting about this story is, is that how it begins is the way you would think when this story was written, it should begin. We hear, first of all, of Caesar Augustus. And if you know anything about Caesar Augustus, he's perhaps the most famous of the Roman emperors, and he stood at the very top of the Roman Empire, and the Roman Empire at the time was the mightiest empire in the world. He waves his hand and says, you who are in far off, far off places throughout my empire, go to the town where you were born to be registered, and mass movements happen all because he waves his hand. Here's a man at the top of the totem pole. It's not a story about him. We go on to the next level and we hear Luke, the storyteller, telling us, well, there was Quirinius, who was the governor of Syria. Well, surely it must be a story about him. He's the governor, the top man of the province. He is an important, world-changing figure, but no, it passes him by as well. Instead, Luke tells the story of a couple of country bumpkins from the hill region of a far-off province called Galilee. We hear of Mary and Joseph of no great riches, of no great, excuse me, no great apparent importance, and how they travel to this town of Bethlehem and give birth in a stable because they have nowhere to lay their heads, and there's no place in the inn. Thoroughly ordinary couple, a thoroughly ordinary family with no extraordinary things about them apparently at all, except for one very important thing that God sends messengers to say that there is far more happening here than you could ever realize. But what's happening here is that the Messiah has been born. God sends holy messengers to the shepherds and bids them to come and look inside the stable and to see a child wrapped in swaddling cloths. And he does that because, though we may have seen many, many times children born in poor circumstances, look closer and you will see here is something wonderful. For 30 years later, angels will not go to shepherds, but instead come to weeping women to tell them not to go into a stable, but instead to look into an empty tomb and not to go there to see a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, but instead to see burial linens lying on the ground because this same Jesus lying in the manger 30 years from now will rise from the grave, defeat death, and give hope to all mortal flesh. This is a story that tells us that through God's messengers, we learn that God does something wonderful and miraculous through very, very ordinary people and very, very ordinary circumstances. Now, you can look at me and tell right away I'm no angel. And of course, I talk to my wife and kids, and you can tell that I don't act like an angel many times either. A little bit later, when we preside preside at communion, you'll learn that I don't really sing like an angel either. But what I can tell you is that this night, God has appointed this church to be a messenger to tell you something very, very important. That the ordinary life you and I lead in the midst of all the great events and famous things happening in the world, the ordinary life we lead matters to God. It has meaning and worth 
for the simple fact that you and I and every human being was made in the image of the God who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be born in the stable and live the ordinary life of a peasant. Tonight you may be going home to wrestle your kids into bed, though they don't want to eat because Santa's coming. Or maybe you'll be laying out your uh, supper table because you know that you have family coming over. Or maybe it is that you're planning some good work to do tomorrow, to bring perhaps a little bit of joy to a neighbor who's lonely. And none of those things seem to matter at first. But take it from the messengers of God that these things do. Our Savior dignified human life, and he dignified very ordinary life of becoming one of us. And he tells us that he has great things in store for us because he chooses to use simple people like you and me to do simple things that make this world a little brighter. As you go out from this place, I hope that you have the courage to take the same baby Jesus into your heart with you wherever you go, reminding you that God is still present in small things. He'll be present in the small things you do for others and present in the small things you do for this world. Christmas reminds us that God really does love us, no matter how small we are. Let that be a message you hold on to in the year to come.